0: On this uh, Mother's Day, I was reminded of a passage from Proverbs 31, since we're doing Proverbs, and, and I give it to mothers and women in general in the room. There are a lot of pressures that you will feel to be all kinds of different things, but Proverbs 31:30 30 says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I think that's a good word this morning to remember with all the pressures you may feel and face The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and that's where that puts us right into the book of Proverbs so many of you uh, the challenge that we started as we started this uh, sermon series last week was to read the Proverbs together Uh, 31 days in the month of May 31 Proverbs one a day you should be on Proverbs 8 and if you haven't started just start on Proverbs 8 and just continue on you can finish up because the next month starts on day one and you can catch the the one two three four and five six and seven there it's very convenient how that works um, if you want to join the U-version plan that we have set up, you can find it on the digital bulletin most easily at this point. You can just start from today there. But some of you have been submitting Proverbs, so, you know, we have these little cards in the back. Uh, feel free to write a favorite Proverb, post it on the wall. There's tape there as well. Send them through electronically, all kinds of different ways. But let me share a couple of favorites that have come through so far, uh, submitted by you. Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a friend loves at all time." and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 17, 12. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. And we'll talk all about fools next week, so that just gets you ready for it. And Proverbs 3, 21 through 22. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. Keep contributing these. These are really fun to read. It's a big book. There's a lot of wealth in there. And if it's encouraged you, it's probably going to encourage someone else. So share those. Um, the, the key passage today, we have a couple different places we're going to be, and they're all in a little clump, except I have a couple extras. So if you're looking to, to follow along, I'm going to invite you to Proverbs 8. That's the most logical place if you just want to flip to one place. Um, We'll start in Proverbs 9, actually, go to 7 and then to 8, if you really want to, you know, follow along. But Proverbs 8 will get you there. In talking about Proverbs, um, the wisdom of Proverbs, in many ways, we want to make sure to reiterate, is very common sense, earthy wisdom in its most basic sense. Um, And so there's, there's there's a breadth the way Proverbs handles things. And the way Proverbs touches on things, it's, it's provocative, it makes you think, it makes you have to work it through. They're not just straightforward. And, and in many ways, um, we, kinda, we have phrases that we use in our own day and age that would kind of put us in that same world of, of thought-provoking and uh, deeper than, than at face value. So I was thinking this week, something that's kind of proverbial that we use in our day and age is, youth is wasted on the young right? That uh, if I only had the energy of, you know, my nine-year-old or a 25-year-old or whatever it is and the, the experience I have now, boy, I could do a lot, right? We get excited about that. Or, and, and Proverbs also is, is encapsulated in, like I said, really earthy stuff. So uh, classic in the pastor joke pantheon is the, the joke of, you know, what's uh, to, uh, knowledge, if I can set it up right, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in your fruit salad, right? So that's, wow, that really popped. Take that one off for later. No more tomato jokes. (laughs) They're disgusting anyway, so why would we use them? Okay, very common sense, not funny apparently, but Proverbs goes further than just common sense earthy. I mean some of us just don't go into debt that kind of stuff or you're going to be you know at the will of the debtor but really when you get down to it there's something behind the proverbs that we have to catch and we start to get there this week Uh, that there's truth that there's actual value of human life and what is contentment those sorts of things and of course it points to the one the giver of all of that and the path back to him Proverbs 4, 7, we heard it this morning in the children's sermon. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. not that just brilliant? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. And last week we tried to, to begin to define what wisdom looks like. And we said that the wise are teachable, the wise are reverent, and the wise thrive. They're teachable, they're reverent, and they thrive. This week, we want to go in a little different direction just to say that the wise, by their very nature, are discerning. The wise are discerning. We'll give a little more definition to that along the way, but to discern is simply to weigh two things out and then make a choice. That's what discerning is. So we can discern on the simpler things of life, apple, orange, girl, boy, those kinds of things and decide uh, what those things are, but right and wrong maybe is a weightier thing that we discern. And Proverbs puts us into that territory as well. You don't really have wisdom until you can weigh out what matters most and then decide. The wise are discerning. From our key passage this morning, Proverbs eight eleven says, For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. The wise are discerning. They know when and where to make their decision. Let's begin then by talking about the way that Proverbs, one of the, the interesting, I think most provocative ways uh, that Proverbs talks about wisdom, it personifies it. It puts it in terms of two women, is what it does quite often. And it's, this is a Hebrew way of taking an abstract idea and making it concrete so that we can run into it. So if we go to Proverbs 9, 13 through 18, that'll be on the screen, um, there it says, folly, is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Yikes, right? You read that. Folly, as an unruly woman, or the woman of folly, maybe your translation has something like that. She's described throughout the book of Proverbs in various different ways as an adulterous woman, uh, someone who seduces those, snaring those who pass by. We'll see that language in just a moment. If you read chapter 7, we'll look at a couple verses from there in just a moment, it's all about uh, her ways and the deceptiveness of her ways and what the trappings are. Let's go there. Proverbs seven twenty-one uh, through 25. With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, it tells us. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, like, an, like an, till an arrow pierced his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway leading to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Now, we know that the evil one operates in the same way that this woman does trying to snare, trying to trip up, essentially what we're hearing is creating a mockery of the truth. And, and we'll see the contrasting picture in a moment with Lady Wisdom, that Wisdom calls out in the street corners, listen. Well, the woman of folly does the exact same thing, Only she's not telling the truth. She's calling out as well. And isn't that the world that we live in? Truth And the mockery of truth, falsity, are calling at the same time, yelling out at us. We hear both of those voices yelling loud. And we should point out, Solomon, most of the Proverbs are his, not all, but most of them are his. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he prayed for wisdom, he received wisdom, and yet, he listened to the unruly woman in the end. 700 wives, 300 concubines King Solomon had, and it didn't amount to anything good in the end. So I'm gonna read from 1 Kings eleven, where we hear about Solomon, this wise man, and the direction he took. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to love to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. I'm going to move to verse 11. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, he's turned his heart away, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Thanks be to God for his grace. Even the wisest man to ever live could get tripped up and ensnared. He followed the fool's path. Wisdom, by contrast of the woman of folly, is presented lady wisdom. Sometimes you hear different, different ways your translations uh, take care of that. She's hospitable and truthful, calling out. And so let's, let's read about wisdom the woman calling out starting in chapter 8 verse 1 we'll read all the first 11 verses does not wisdom call out does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the path meets she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance she cries aloud to you O people i call out I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. We see that wisdom is righteous and just. Those two, we hear them in two different lines, but they really go together, those two ideas. Verse 8 gives us uh, that, that word just, but then it the second line tells us what justice is not so we get the definition there in a sense all the words in verse 8 of my mouth are just none of them is crooked or perverse she calls to straight paths is what she does that's righteous, that's justice that's paths that are in line with the very heart of God that's the way to walk that's the way that wisdom is calling us it's as God intended so wisdom lives and she calls us to that path We see also that she is true, verse 7, if you go back. My mouth speaks what is true, and we see the opposite of that. For my lips detest wickedness. That is, anything that's offensive or the opposite of God's will and way and character, that's not true, that's untrue. And the path of wisdom leads towards God, not away from it. It leads towards what is true, which is God. And she doesn't hide her character. She calls out from the street corner, And we recognize if we're listening that it's not just her that's calling out, it's the very voice of God calling out in that wisdom. That which is right, just, and true, we must discern from that which is folly. And so the discerning, if we're going to kind of pin some ideas to what discernment really looks like in the wise, the discerning, these are the wise people, the discerning, they pay attention. If wisdom's calling out, publicly only fools are going to miss her voice and it's funny to me even in chapter 8 about verse 5 it says that you know to you who are simple gain prudence you who are foolish set your hearts on it but we know the foolish are never going to hear we established last week and we want to make sure we remind ourselves this week that proverbs is written for the simple and the wise so people who are already wise never believe that they're wise enough that they've reached the end of that, so they're always going to listen. People who are simple, as Proverbs define them, are people who don't know, but if they heard, they would make a wise decision and step into wisdom. It's only the fools who won't listen. Proverbs is not for them because they won't pay attention. They already think they're the wisest people around. They have nothing else to learn. But here we can catch a distinction. So the wise and the simple will both hear wisdom's voice as she calls out from the street in the high places. The distinction is only the wise will discern if the message is worth listening to. That's the distinction between being simple and wise. The simple will step into wisdom because they recognize that it's worth listening to. And I want to give us a, one of the ways that we need to make sure we pay attention in our day and age and to be a discerning, uh, discerning people who follow Christ in our day and age. And one of the ways that we can get deceived is with the concept of tolerance that we run into in our culture. Um, Tolerance, I'm going to use uh, the definition by Greg Kokel, who he actually takes from Peter Kreft, so we'll call it the Kokel-Kreft definition. Uh, It'll be on the screen in a moment. But tolerance, actually, in its classical definition, is a virtue. The way we use it, it's definitely not in our culture. We kind of use it the opposite of what it's meant. So this is going to sound a little confusing at first, but I'll I'll try and make it as simple as possible. So this is the Kokel-Kreft definition of tolerance. He says, be egalitarian regarding persons. Maybe I didn't put it on the screen. That's on me. Sorry. Be egalitarian regarding persons. Be elitist regarding ideas. I'll say it again, and then I'll use simpler words. Be egalitarian regarding persons. Be elitist regarding ideas. So be civil with people respectable, honorable with people, and snooty with ideas. That's classical tolerance, which is a virtue. That is to say, when we encounter people who have all kinds of different views, we encounter people with an open hand saying, yeah, you are made in the image of God, and I receive you as a person. I even love you as a person. But all the ideas that you might have, they're not all good necessarily, right? Right? We, we live in a world that treats all ideas as equal and good and valid, except for one or two, you know, intolerance, right? But that's a reversal of classical tolerance. When we reverse the idea of tolerance to mean that we are actually egalitarian or civil towards all ideas, they're all good, they're all the same, and we're actually really elitist towards all people, or other people that don't have those ideas that we like, you know, we're snooty towards people, Haters going to hate, and there are probably a lot of them. We've reversed it. We're not being wise. We're taking in everything as truth and not being discerning at all with the things that are truthful. The reality is there is such a thing as right and wrong. There is such a thing as truth. And even as believers, we can approach anybody that comes our way with an open hand and a hospitable attitude and receive them with dignity as people. We've done it as the body of Christ many times quite well, I think, but not accept every idea is equally valid. The wise are discerning. They pay attention to that. They weigh it out. Proverbs 14.8 says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. So the discerning pay attention. We also know that the discerning are decisive. Proverbs 132 says, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. As we've said, Proverbs is for the wise and the simple. The fools will never listen. The wise are discerning, the simple are teachable, but but the danger zone, and we saw it with Solomon's life, the danger zone is that fools won't listen and the simple, peop, simple remains simple because they won't make a decision in the end. They're indecisive. They're captivated by whatever new idea comes their way and they just go with that rather than weighing out the truth and then making a decision based on that. And how does this happen? How do we, how do we kind of just go with whatever the winds are coming our way and not be decisive? The simple way this happens for a whole lot of us And we are captivated by this too often in the church is we have the belief sometimes that uh, we are the exception to whatever rule there is. Whatever rule there is, it's for everybody except for me. I'm the exception. Uh, Classic story that comes from not really my life but from someone close to me. Uh, They were taking a bunch of college students skiing in Colorado. A couple of students early in the day decided they were expert skiers, so they decided to go off-boundary, right next to the sign, off-boundary, find the freshest powder, promptly were caught by ski patrol, and sat in ski jail the whole day. (laughs) The group gathered together at the end of the day, realizing they were two people short, and the leader had to go back and break them out of jail, and then they had to come back to court because they broke the law. And so they came back to court, and the judge... I uh, had a picture of the sign that said don't go off boundaries, there's a penalty. And he looked at the two kids, these two college students, and he said, okay, so you saw the sign? Yes. You went off boundary? Yes. Key question. judge looked at them and he said, who did you think the sign was for? The wise pay attention, they're discerning. The wise make decisions based on the truth, what wisdom is calling out. And they don't believe they're the exception to the rule. And I I run into this all the time. You probably do. We run into it with, uh, we use handicap parking all the time. I run into it with people misusing those all the time. It applies to everybody but them, right? Same kind of deal as the ski sign. I run into it because I'm a pastor and I've done plenty of premarital counseling and other things like that. I run into it with people thinking they're the exception when it comes to cohabitation before marriage. The statistics aren't good, but we're not going to be the ones I run into it with people, we run into it all the time with people, if we want to just generally put it, who follow their heart everywhere. Just follow your heart or just believe. If I followed my heart everywhere I went, it'd go down to Krispy Kreme entirely too often to be bad, right? (laughs) The wise, pay attention, the wise are decisive, but they're basing it on the truth. And the wise, especially, here's the third and I think most important thing to recognize about the discerning, the discerning people know why they make their decision. And as we've said all along, here's the hint, it has to do with the truth. They know why they make their decision. It's because they're grounded in truth. Proverbs 2, 12 through 15, wisdom for Solomon's sons, basically. He's saying, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. From men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. The fool's reason for doing what they do is I'm wise and I wanted to do it. That's why fools do what they wanna do. The wise, on the other hand, have learned what is right and good and true, and that is the basis for what they, the decisions they make. They follow that path leading towards God. And knowing why makes you grounded in your decisions and it makes a decision easier if you know the truth. That truth is what you're standing on. A lot of people who follow Jesus Christ are afraid to share their faith, and frankly, this is one of the reasons why. It's because we're afraid to be cornered on something where we don't know the answer. We're afraid of the why. But if we know why, then we can encounter in great tolerance all the ideas and the people that are out there with an open hand and not fear. Because then we can have a conversation and we can talk about what's right and true. Because we know that what we believe is right and true. One of the key questions though to consider at this point, and this will get us back to Solomon, we've got to go through Romans first, but it's not going to take us long, is what's the end of wisdom? Why follow that path? Where does it go? And the source of wisdom we recognize is God. God's what's behind this. God's the giver of wisdom, it's in his character, it's who he is. And God is revealed in his word, the Bible, and God is revealed in his word, Jesus Christ. That's the path of wisdom that we're following, what's true. But the path of wisdom must take its way through Jesus Christ back home to God. Romans 5, 9 through 11. Paul writes, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Our sin, our waywardness, alienates us from God. And as long as we remain alienated from God, we are fools. Walking the fool's path, that's not grounded at all in truth. But in Christ we're made alive and we're invited onto the path of wisdom through him and made wise as we come to him and find our salvation only in him only a fool rejects the source of wisdom a wise person a wise person is not wise who can't see where the path leads they're still foolish solomon ultimately didn't see where the road led if you look at his life he gives us all these proverbs and yet he didn't see the end he became a fool because he didn't see the God behind them by the end, he started worshiping everywhere else and giving up on truth. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. The wise are discerning. They know that it's founded on the truth. They know why they make their decisions, and they make the decisions. They pay attention when God calls and calls us to salvation.